Welcome to Two Crones in a Book, where your host Shell and Annette will give you honest, in-depth book reviews and share book-themed rambles that may or may not on occasions take a dark and twisty, if not utterly bizarre turn. Reviews start with light spoilers, if you want to know if the books are any good. And then we head to the spoiler floor! Where we give a blow-by-blow breakdown for any of you cheeky chappies who want to sound like you've read the book, but just don't have the time to read it. Or those of you that did read it and thought, what the fuck? Either way, be warned, every episode will contain spoilers and language that some listeners may find offensive thus the explicit rating so consider yourself thoroughly fucking warned (laughs) now take a seat buckle up buttercup it's time to begin welcome everyone to another episode of two crones and a book and this is a ramble and we are going to talk about our best non-fiction recommendation books that we can possibly think of in a roundabout way um I was really geared up for this one, but I'm going to confess that I, I haven't paid it the attention that I'd hoped, because <gasps> I'd hoped to revisit the books. There was books that I love and I knew I wanted to talk about, but I hadn't revisited them. Yep. Um, so what I'm going to do is, is hand over to my wonderful, wonderful co-host, the fabulous and glamorous <laughs> Annette, who, who is going to open open up the show for us. Yep. So Annette, buttercup. Honey bunch. <laughs> What's your non-fiction recommendations? Okay, well, I'm going to start off with just a couple that I always think of when anybody asks me about them, but they're not necessarily my favourites. Yes, okay, they're they're your forerunners in your mind. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And the first one, uh, (laughs) it's not pretty, it's called The Jaws of Death, Shark as Predator, Man (laughs) as Prey. Yeah, and (laughs) it's a 1992 book by Xavier... I'm going to say Maniguit. I'm going to share the picture of the book with Shell now, the cover. Send that to you so you can see that and I'll share it on the website. Mm-hmm. Yep. Has it come up? Yep, yep. Look at me, I'm being fancy. I'm so fancy. <laughs> I'm so fancy. Oh, I like it. Yeah, so the synopsis... Of this That's one. strangely soothing. <laughs> yeah. Was it? Ma- Maniguet explores the nature of man's relationship with the shark, including fear of attacks, dangerous tales, use of the shark, including me- oh, use of uses of the shark, including medical research and culinary delicacies and other predatory creatures. Extremely graphic photographs are included. Oh, yeah. So. I don't. I think I picked this was a charity shop find. Oh yeah. Back in the nineties, I still have this book at my dad's house. In the nineties. In the nineties, <laughs> it's going to be a common <laughs> thread <laughs> to get used to it for this one. Because I'd always, have, you know, I've always had like this morbid fascination with sharks. Yeah. Yeah. I watched Jaws far too early when I was like five years yeah. old. Absolutely had yep. a shit fit, and then my mum had to pretend it was my birthday to calm me down, <laughs> feed me cake. <laughs> that was the only way to stop me from crying. Did she sing you happy birthday? Yes, yeah, she did. Sat me on the table, <laughs> sang me happy birthday. Your fucking mum was legend, mate. <laughs> she had to calm a girl down, I'm telling you. So yeah, there was there was that. And obviously, so seeing the movie, yep. one of the. Do you remember the um, folders quest? It was like a, a collect every month book binder yes. thing. And on the, yes. the first issue was a poster of a great white shark. 
Mm-hmm. And I had that on my wall for years. So, yeah, the obsession runs deep for things that terrify me. So I, yep. I come across this book. I thought, great, I'll educate myself about it. So it is really informative. It's all like it tells you about different species. Yep. It tells you about like their migration patterns. So I know where to avoid in the world, <laughs> what times a year. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, Ooh, no, we're not going on holiday there, darling. No, honey, that's when the blue sharks are migrating. Mm-mm, mm-mm, I'm not going over there. <laughs> Forget it. <laughs> But then also included in it were these horrifically graphic images of shark attack victims. Next level, yeah. Yeah, and level. it was it was so. I mean, I I, oh, I can see that you know, like whole chunks of leg taken out, parts down. It's like oh, it, but I couldn't stop looking at them and reading this book. It was yeah, yeah. Because it is, it's that thing that I think that probably be one of my biggest fears is being attacked by a shark. Really? Yeah, and I know he's. But you li- you live on land. You're not a surfer. Oh no, I'm never gonna put myself in that position. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not that girl. I don't know. They have there. I have here. We're all good. All right. We're all okay. square. I mean, even seeing one in an aquarium scares the shit out of me. And there's there's like a big massive yeah. plate of glass. But I had I had a cousin take me to an aquarium once, and that cow knew because there was a shark swimming towards us yeah. in this massive yeah. tank and she was singing the jaws deep in my ear <laughs> i think you should overcome your fear of sharks by having a shark tattoo <laughs> oh a tattoo that's right you could have to go in a shark tank i was about to end of this is it no more podcast <laughs> done dusted see my our relationship is over it's done <laughs> we are finished yeah great bit big shark when i'm back <laughs> yeah full size <laughs> So, yeah, that's one that always springs to mind when someone says nonfiction. Yeah. Uh, the next one is a very bizarre one. So when we went to, we started, fast forward to college. Yeah. Um, again, still in the 90s, a couple of years down the line. But this is when I became more aware of, like, independent bookshops. You yes. know, because we, I lived in an area, well, I went to college in an area called Clapham. And mm-hmm. they had lots back then, little tiny individual bookshops. And we went into one, yeah. I went into one one day, feeling very grown up and mature, because all <laughs> these books that weren't like the regular that you'd see in W. H. Smith or anything like that. Yeah. And one proper caught my attention, and I'm going to send you the picture of it now because I can do this now. Look at I you. I am fancy. It's better, isn't it? It is. It's good. And so this is called mm-hmm. Psychic Dictatorship in the USA by Alex Constantine. I remember you reading this. You tried getting us all to read it. You were obsessed with it. Yeah. Well, you, you know when you go through your conspiracy theory phase? Yes. Yep. This was the book. So the brief synopsis is, Bombing minds rather than bodies is the warfare of the new millennium. This book uncovers the terrifying extent of... <laughs> Sorry, can you hear there's an ice cream van gone by? <laughs> I can I was like, are we just pretending that's not happening? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I gotta go. <laughs> it's my ride. Shut up. Right, okay. So I'm going to give you the synopsis now. Um, yep. Bombing minds rather than bodies is the warfare of the new millennium. This book uncovers the terrifying extent of electromagnetic and biotelemetric mind control experimentation on involuntary human subjects 
And it, Light read then. Yeah, but it was no. <laughs> to be honest, that it, it had not not that massive chapters, and yeah. it it was very fleeting. You know, it didn't go too in. Yeah. It went some depth, but not too in depth. Because they yep. covered everything from MK Ultra to the Children of God, you know. Yep. So if you were like kind of wanting to have a, like like we do on this podcast, if you want to have a bluffer's guide yeah. to to conspiracy <laughs> theories, this was a great book to have. So you could just wax lyrical about it to people. Yeah. Uh, not realizing you sounded like an absolute loon <laughs> when <doing laughs> with something. a tinfoil hat. Yeah. yeah, but no, I, I absolutely loved it. I thought it was fantastic. The one that would follow on from this was something of a recommendation that was given to me, which I found fascinating. But it is a huge read. It is a massive book, and it's the uh, Fingerprints of the Gods by Graham uh, Hancock. And that was released in 95, as was Psychic Dictatorship. Let's get the synopsis on this one. Okay, so. These all look very intellectual. <laughs> These, you know, it, it's, no, well, yes and no. It, it, you know, it's a thesis book and it's massive, yeah. but it's very interesting. So, Fingerprints of the Gods, the Evidence of Earth's Lost Civilization. In 1995, pseudo-archaeology pseudo-archaeology book by Graham Hancock in which the author echoes 19th century writer Ignatius Donnelly or author's book in contending that an enigmatic ancient advanced civilization existed in prehistory one which served as the common civilization so the predecessor to all civilization and to all subsequent known ancient historical ones the author proposes that sometime around the end of the last ice age, this civilization ended in cataclysm. Yep. <laughs> Fine with them, but passed on uh, to its inheritors profound knowledge of such things as astronomy, architecture, and mathematics. So okay. his theory was because of the Earth's crust shifting, the lost city of Atlantis was actually relocated to the Antarctic. Oh right, okay. And that there was evidence of that. It's that's the, that's the quick version of a book that <laughs> you, you could kill a horse. Never mind a horse fly with this thing. So I mean, yeah, that's the synopsis. And as I said, uh, it's pretty much the you know. Would you recommend it? Do you know what? It, 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 you'd have to be wanting to put in the time. Okay. It's a big read. It is a big read. And I had it for years before I <laughs> dedicate a bit of time to it. But it was one of those, it felt like an accomplishment when I'd done it. Yes. Because it came so highly recommended. It was, again, it's in that conspiracy theory, pseudoscience, yeah. pseudo-archaeology thing. And you feel a bit smart for about five minutes, you know. Yeah, yeah. So... Those are sort of like some formative ones. Now I'm going to get into my two favourites. Okay. My two absolute favourites, which take a bit of a turn from what I've just been talking about. <laughs> Shark attacks okay. and pseudoscience and... <laughs> Psychic. So where are you going to take us next? Well, I'm going to take you down to Golden Age of Hollywood. Mm, okay. And we are going... My uh, first choice for my top two books is... Bet and Joan, The Divine Feud by Sean Constant. Oh, yes. Yes. 
<laughs> first published in 1989, then republished in 2017. I think probably along with the line with the TV series that came yes. out. Yes, yeah, yeah. So this is such a beautifully written biography. Yeah. Uh, because Sean actually managed to interview both women. So it's like you're getting two for one. It is because the whole thing is, it's like the one chapter will be about one and then the second one will be about the other. And it's how their lives from when they were kids to, you know, where and how they progress through Hollywood. So it's like you're watching their dual lives. And then the moment there's like the moments when they hear about each other in each other's chapters and how this feud was, you know, it started way before baby Jane, you know, explosive. It was, and it's just like, it shows you the roots, how like Joan was like the, um, the, the poor, the poor farm girl, who had to mm. use her sex appeal to work her way up the ladder. Yeah. And, she, you know, she became part of Hollywood royalty yep. um, at a very, uh, quite a young age. Uh, you know, her legs were insured for millions or something like that, you know, yeah. when she was really young. Then on the opposite side, you've got Bet, who came from this, what, say, middle-class New England-style yep. family and yep. how she her, made her name in um in the theater first yes and joan was very envious of that you know yeah and but yeah. then at the same time bet's kind of envious of joan getting all these roles because of her beauty and she yeah. you know and it's just and it is it he works it together so well that you do mm. feel like you sat back and you just want to pop the popcorn. It's like, on, Sean, tell me more <laughs> what does she say next oh my god that bitch <laughs> Because they were both cutting, weren't they? They were, they were really, really cutting to each other, publicly so. Absolutely. It's like, I remember one, there was an interview, but um, Bet did use the line a couple of times, and they and someone asked her, have you got anything nice to say about Joan Crawford? And she said, she was never late. And that was it. <laughs> That's all she had for her. One of the other great stories is, when they were filming, Baby Jane was their one and only movie together. There was supposed to be yeah. a follow-up called um, um, Hush, Hush, Sweet Charlotte. Yes. And at that time, um, Joan was married to Mr. Pepsi-Cola. She insisted on the set that they had Pepsi machines everywhere during Baby Jane. Yeah, I know where you're going with <laughs> yeah. yeah. So Joan took her time coming to set for whatever reasons was going on. And Betty made sure that there was Coca-Cola machines all around set and on a, there was a procession of Coke bottles in like a red carpet line up to Joan's trailer. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, what are you That's one of, Bette Davis is one of the people that, you know, you always get this thing of who would you have dinner with if you wanted to talk to someone, who would it be? You know, she's one of the ones just to see if she, if she lived up to the persona. I think it depended on who you were and how close yeah. she was with you. Yeah, she, I mean, I've got one of her um, autobiographies somewhere, which I'm, I've yet to read. I've also got one of Ruth Gordon I'm dying, dying to read. Yep. Another absolute Hollywood legend. Also, uh, Tallulah Bankhead is another one I would love to read. See, the problem that we've got now is is we are traditional proper readers where your to-be-read pile is consistently greater than your life expectancy. <laughs> I know, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, I think you're, you're nev- I think never going to make I'm it. I'm not. I'm not. But what? Well, what I might have to do is start um, keeping those aside for when we have our like Christmas and summer holiday breaks. Yeah, and tear through. Yeah, and, yeah. And just get. Just hopefully they're on audio. I mean, I've got them on like hardback. That Ruth Gordon one. Oh my god, that's a wrist breaker. It's massive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I'm dying to read it. So yes, that's I, that is a high recommendation. When I was recording with Tess Patton show I did an episode Mm. with them and we mentioned we were talking about uh, Baby Jane and this is the book I was reading to get my information from like sat like Hayden was doing karate lessons at the time and I'm just sat there (laughs) with this book like drinking my water (laughs) (laughs) well done darling back to the page Uh Nike (laughs) anyway (laughs) so yes that, that is a very high recommendation so that is Bet and Joan, did I send you the cover? I'll send you the cover because it's such a pretty cover as well. Oh, are you hiding? I mean, this is just glorious. Look at those beauties. Oh, that's a cool cover. Isn't that great? That's, so that's the cover I have. So that is Bet and Joan, The Divine Feud by Sean Considine. Yes. Okay, so go out there, find it. You'll you'll absolutely love it. My last one is one I've actually shared with you, and it's very short, very quick, and it is Ten Days in a Madhouse by Nellie Bly. Yes. Now, this is fascinating. So in 1887, a book was made from the articles that Nellie wrote for the New York World newspaper uh, about getting herself committed to a mental asylum in New York to see what it was really all about. And it was insanely easy for her to do this. And incredibly bloody dangerous. They might not let her back out. Well, this was the thing. So Nellie moved herself into a uh, a women's only boarding house. She'd yep. spent one day preparation pulling weird faces. That was all the prep she did for this <laughs> before she went there. And then she said, right, so... She would say, pretend that she was staying up all night and said that, told the other um, house guests that, oh, I don't trust any of you. That's why I have to stay awake. And then she would pull like weird faces. And within like a matter of days, like when I say days, like no more than two, the police were there to take her for assessment. Absolutely terrifying. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely terrifying. So it, it didn't take much convincing because allegedly the uh, doctor doing the assessment was more interested in the very attractive nurse than Nellie herself. Yeah. So it didn't take much pretending. She got straight in there. As soon as she was in, um, she stopped faking that she was insane and just carried on as normal. Yeah. And uh, she wrote everything down that was happening. And the levels of brutality and inhumanity were absolutely insane. And Nellie pretty much came to the conclusion that the majority of women in there were more than likely sane. And yes. like the reasons that some of those women were in there was for small is the fact that they couldn't speak English. It's just absolutely crazy. Yeah. Absolutely crazy. Fresh yeah. off the boat. You can't speak a word of the language. Stick her in, the, in an asylum. Yeah. Yeah. After a couple of days, Nellie couldn't cope. Um, you'll notice a common theme is Nellie liked her food. <laughs> And she did. There is a lot of reference to how bad the food was in this. She was feeling it. Yeah, but no, it was it was horrific how they were being um, treated. And she started to, you know, try to explain, I'm not insane. It's not, you know, this isn't real. This is who I really am. And they just Mm. thought it was part of her psychosis. They refused to believe her. 
Yeah. But luckily, obviously, she informed her editors at the newspaper. And yep. after 10 days, they managed to get Nellie released. Didn't she leave a, a letter or something with her solicitor? Well, the, what, uh, what, I, what I remember is uh, off of the back of it, a grand jury investigation was put forth when they once they read the yeah. articles that be- eventually became the book is very short off the back of that grand jury investigation the department of public charities and corrections were given an additional 850,000 mm. dollars a year which that's you, when you're thinking this 1887 that's huge yeah. and also there had to be more stringent criteria for examinations to ensure that people only with severe mental illness ended up in these asylums yeah. so it did make a difference it was you know it was fairly groundbreaking and it's insane that that's a terrible word to use in this respect i do apologize but <laughs> but that it was so easily done and yeah. all those poor women who couldn't get out of it i mean she had the backing of a mail-run newspaper to get her out you know a lot of it was motivated as well by it was men who just wanted the inheritance from their wives but didn't want the wives. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was it, if they weren't subservient enough, it was it was very easy to to get a woman committed. It is. It's quite frightening. I mean, you see it in movies and things like that. Like um, what was that one? Girl interrupted. No, the 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 really old one, Olivia de Havilland. Oh, the snake. The pit. snake pit. Fantastic. If no one's watched it, you've got to watch The Snake That's the one. I mean, again, and it just goes to show you how little had actually changed, even with that investment. And it was still happening then. I mean, even even more current things like um, American Horror Story Asylum showed you how it was done as well to people, you know. Mm. It's a fascinating read. It really is. And it's not long at all. So, yeah. And didn't Christina Ritchie recently make a dramatisation of it? I'm yet to watch it. Yes, I think she did. I, I can't remember if I watched that or not. It's on my list, but I haven't got around to it yet. No. I just don't have enough time. I did watch her in Lizzie Borden, but I'd not watched the Nellie Bly one, I don't think. Oh, I liked Lizzie Borden. <laughs> well, it's Christina Ricci. What's not like to like? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, what's not like to like, <laughs> hey? <laughs> hey, Christina. <laughs> Big fans over here. I don't... You can rest your axe against the wall. It's okay. <laughs> do you want? Do you want to tell them your Christina Ricci story? No, I don't. Yeah, you do. <laughs> I accidentally nearly knocked Christina Ricci over at a comic con. So <laughs> I was walking. It was jam packed. She'd just done a, a, a talk there, and she was trying to get out. I suppose <laughs> trying to leave. And I was also trying to leave with a friend and we were trying to make the last train. Otherwise, we was going to have to wait an hour for the train. So we're whizzing along, tearing ahead. And my friend screamed, mate. So I swung around thinking pickpocket was the first thing that ran in my head. So I swung around. And as I swung around, I had my elbow raised to shoulder height, ready to elbow whoever was trying to steal my phone or my, my purse out of my back pocket. And it was Christina Ritchie. <laughs> and fortunately... I didn't actually knock her over. Um, her security was shit because really I should never have been able to get that close to it, even though it was unintentional. But I will say this. One, she's very, very little. <laughs> but two, she's a very nice lady. She was exceptionally polite when I apologised. I was absolutely mortified to the point that I didn't even realise it was her to start off with. I was just like, I'm really sorry, love. <laughs> That's my, my brush with fame was nearly knocking over this poor little 
Nice lady. <laughs> and even though it was my fault, she was incredibly polite. So, you know, kudos to her. Oh, we love Christina Ricci. Yeah, it's really, really nice. I don't think I would have been as polite if someone had nearly elbowed me in the face and knocked me over. Oh, hell no. I know you. <laughs> <laughs> but she was just like, it's okay. Used to it. Mind you little. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if that's what it yeah. was. <laughs> Trust me, it probably was. <laughs> Right, so I have waxed lyrical for like almost half an hour. You've done good, babe. You've done really, really good. I'm going to put my feet up, sit back now, and you're going to regale me with many, many a novelization. Well, do you know, I, I, I did already say I didn't get to revisit them. So these are ones that were so good when I read them or that I enjoyed so much or had such an effect on me that I kept them. So there's a majority of books that I read, I flip. Mm -hmm. So I get them, read them, pass them on. Um, but there are those select few that you just you just can't. You have to keep hold of them. And and these are the ones. So I pulled them off my bookshelf, but I, I was slightly busy doing something else. I'm, I'm doing a course. We won't go into it, but I'm doing a course. So I had to study instead, um, which meant I didn't get to revisit these fabulous books, none of which are actually a light read. Oh, my goodness. So the first one is a little bit of feminist literature <gasps> i don't know if you've ever read it annette but it's women who run with the wolves oh i've heard of that but no i've never read it so it's i think every woman should read it um i will give you the synopsis it went out of print for a while but i think it's back yeah so the synopsis is in the classic women who run with the wolves clarissa I can't say her name. The author tells us about the wild woman, the wise and ageless presence in the female psyche that gives women their creativity, energy and power. For centuries, the wild woman has been repressed by the male-orientated system, value system, which trivializes women's emotions using a combination of time-honored stories and contemporary casework. She reveals that the wild woman in us is innately healthy, passionate and wise. So... Mm -hmm. One of the things is you you know that not so much now it's better now but there was always that oh my god you're being so emotional must be because you're on or something <laughs> like that you know like yeah, let me stick you in an institution <laughs> yeah pretty much ties in with what what you said this is a, a collection of short inspirational stories case studies of of real women I mean it's recommended by Maya Angelou oh. it's so so good I mean some of the the quotes. One, one of the best quotes in it is, it is worse to stay where one does not belong at all than to wander about lost for a while and looking for the psychic and soulful kinship one requires. Wow. So it's that kind of sort of, it isn't an easy read. You're not going to pick it up and whiz through it. Yeah. Because um, you, you, you get so engrossed in it and you, it's, you'll either hate it or you'll love it. Mm -hmm. But for me, I was so absorbed in it. I didn't speed read it. I was actually absorbing the book but i'd recommend that it was very very good um even for for now i mean listeners that, that sounds like something you're gonna sit back and re go i need to reevaluate my life <laughs> do you know it is it's it's all about mother it's about motherhood it's just about womanhood in general and it's about the value of you and not to to be diminished um just because you're you're misunderstood or you're not conforming oh i feel seen <laughs> you feel seen it's really good. I get it for you, but I don't think you'd read no. it because it's really heavy. It's like a brick. Oh yeah, yeah. Not that not that you wouldn't enjoy the context, but I don't think it's on Audible, and I think that it, it's sort of. I can just imagine you going, "I've got a couple tunnels." <laughs> no more books. Look at my hands. <laughs> um, 
so the other one and uh, the other one is the secret history of lucifer by lynn picknett <laughs> if i could pick out a title from non-fiction you know me oh that one's for her <laughs> <laughs> well this was really good as well so the the synopsis for this is i had this one from um 2005 wow I checked the clean side of the cover. It was from 2005. It's really, really old to the point where I found some old bits of paper in it that I'd forgotten about <laughs> from notes from college. Oh, wow. Can't determine what course it was for, but I kept the notes. So the synopsis is, who is Lucifer? For many of us, Lucifer and Satan are alternative names for the embodiment of pure evil. The orthodox Christian view tells us that the Prince Lucifer challenged God, fell from heaven, tempted Eve and created death and suffering. Then he became Satan, horned king of hell, whose hatred for God's creation motivated his mission to drag the rest of us down with him. In this highly readable and well-researched account, Lynn Picknett explains that the horned devil is merely a new incarnation of the old woodland deity Pan. While Lucifer was once a personification of Morningstar, the planet Venus and and its goddess, he was therefore originally she and a divine representation of love, beauty and human warmth. Indeed, many ancient goddesses were known as Lucif- Lucifera or Lightbringer. While thousands follow Lucifer in order to achieve earthly wealth and power, Picknett explains that such misguided behaviour is far from the true Luciferian principles. She draws together ancient Christian and Egypt, Egyptian texts and the implications of abnormal psychology and the extreme possibilities of certain barely understood human attributes to ask if humans are actually created by God and Lucifer, not merely as icons, but in a terrifying literal way. Do you know, I'm sure you've told me about this one before. It, it, it's one, I mean, if I've kept it from 2005, yeah, I'm sure I've bored you at some point <laughs> rabbiting on about it. <laughs> If I valued it enough to read it, <laughs> it just so some some words that were like really. Like, oh, hang on, I've heard this before. <laughs> Where have I heard this before? <laughs> That's fascinating. Yeah. Okay. Fascinating. I, I would recommend it. It's really interesting. Whether you believe in it or not, the the uh, viewpoints in it and the way that it, it's presented is is really really good. So the gist of it is is it's basically saying that Lucifer isn't the Lucifer that we think it is. I love it. Doesn't originate from man, originates from woman, and was originally a, a light bringer. I love it. I love stuff like that. The proper. <gasps> no. <laughs> it's an yeah. It's another example of um. I don't know. I'm guessing maybe you would call it the Mandela effect, where you've just been convinced over and over again that that's what it is, but the original text suggested it's not. But like, like Christmas. Oh. Yes. Yes. Like Christmas and Easter. Oh. We won't, go, we won't go down my pagan views. Um, <laughs> the other one that's really good is uh, A Companion to the Folklore, Myths and Customs of Britain. Ooh. And it's by Mark with the C, Alexander. Uh, and the synopsis is Britain's rich and varied folklore, legends and beliefs provide a unique insight into the island's turbulent history. Every invader, refugee or settler has helped to contribute some new element or twist to the complex pattern of our national heritage and new myths are still in the making. This is a fully illustrated volume and provides comprehensive A to Z companion to the legends and customs in England, Scotland and Wales, covering everything from witchcraft, ghosts, fairies to legendary figures, standing stones and mythical creatures. At the end of the book, there's a fully up to date, it was up to date at the time. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> up-to-date folk custom calendar of events being held throughout the year plus a substantial list of further reading 
Um, it's 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 really really good. I'm just going to check the date actually because it's not. Look, I've just got I've got more bits of paper falling out of it. I used to be terrible for hiding things in books. <laughs> the same. This one's from 2002. Wow. Um, and it's it's really good. And there's there's pictures in it. Um, that sounds awesome. I like the sound of this one. It's, it is. It's really really good. And it, it's it's laid out like it's a, it makes me think of a field guide. If that makes you know that kind of quick reference. Yeah. Field guide. Yeah, there's that one. The other one that I wanted to talk about um, is... Now, I... Sorry, I'm bending, everyone. I've got it. So, the other one is... It's called Lilith. Oh, yes. The First Eve. Yes. Yes. And it's a... (laughs) Yes. And it's a... um, Actually, I'm noticing a bit of a theme here. It's it's either folklore, paganism, or feminist literature. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah. Um, so it's mine's all shark attack and crazy people, you know. <laughs> <laughs> We're perfectly yes. um Historical and psychological aspects of the dark feminine, and it's by a guy called uh, Sigmund Hertzwitz, H-U-R-W-I-T-Z. Mm-hmm. And the synopsis is, in a fascinating excursion through the history of her myth, Sigmund presents and interprets the ancient dark-winged goddess Lilith, also known as the First Eve. The author's extraordinarily meticulous study of the original sources brings to light a striking figure, long lost from our awareness, yet highly relevant to a psychological understanding of today's evolving masculine and feminine identities. Case material from his analytical practice embeds Lilith in the everyday problems of contemporary life. It's good. <laughs> that sounds good. What's your favourite interpretation of Lilith that you've seen, or is it, or is it this book? Um, I, you know, there's so many. I, I do like the concept of her being the not the demonised version. Um, I like the idea of her being equal to to god really that godlike because there is also the theory isn't there that you know she she is a fallen god she was equal to god because she wasn't made of uh, she wasn't made of man like eve was yes and she was believed you know there are a lot of people believe that she was actually more powerful than adam which is why god intervened Mm -hmm. so i i like that kind of concept now that she is a strong woman um, that has and and figure of identity that has has worked its way through so many cultures in so many different ways, but those similarities have, have overlapped. That I like. On the other hand, I do love Michelle Gomez's interpretation of Lilith mm-hmm. in Sabrina the Teenage Witch, oh, the, the Chilling <laughs> yes. Adventures. You know, I could if 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 it was Michelle Gomez knocking at the door as Lilith, then I could live with that. I as submit, well. I submit. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, I like it as a symbol of strong femininity, and I can very easily be led to believe that that level of strength with, within a, a woman or um, a god, goddess, could easily have been repressed and diminished and demonised yeah. because of of the history. Anyway, well, they use her in one... vampire lore as well, don't they? Yes. Well, she, you know, according to to most Christianity, um, well, it's not even Christianity. I think it's Judaism. She is the um, mother of demons. Yeah, the first vampire, so, isn't it? I, I think. Yeah. So when she, she got the hump when she was kicked out of um, Eden is is one thing, and so she spawned all the demons that that she um, uh, aligned with Lucifer. I love it. Ooh, I love it. The drama. But it's really good. It's it's a, it's like a study text, so it, it it's really really good. Awesome. Um, and then on a lighter note, 
I've got two more. Okay. Um, I just popped into my head. So I started off with three, and then I just kept looking at the bookshelf. You're working my way. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Bit of improv. Um, so this is relatively new. Um, I haven't overly researched the background to it, but I think that it's inspired or comes from a podcast, and it's called Smoke Gets In Your Eyes. Okay. And it is by Caitlin Doherty. Um, so it's called Smoke Gets In Your Eyes and Other Lessons from the Crematorium. What? <laughs> <laughs> so it's got, from a first day at West Wind Cremation and Burial, 23-year-old Caitlin threw herself into a curious new profession, coming face-to-face with the, with the very thing we go to great lengths to avoid thinking about. And she started to wonder about the lives of those she cremated and the mourning families they left behind and found herself confounded by people's erratic reactions to death. Exploring our death rituals and those of other cultures, she pleads the case for healthier attitudes around death and dying. This is full of bizarre account- uh, encounters, gallows humour and vivid characters, both living and dead. So it was really um, interesting because it's told from her perspective. Like on her first day, she's given a plastic razor and told to shave a corpse. Bloody hell. And she'd, she'd never done it before. And then there, there was uh, another... So she does it really well. It's not it's not gory or graphic. It's just the way, you know, just how it is, but with a little bit of, of humour to it. And there, there's the most disturbing one in there, the one that haunted me the most, is she received a body to process that had come from a medical research lab or hospital. And it was a, a, a black lady who had a really weird... A form of, of mould that had killed her. It does it, it forms from a mould or something, and it had grown everywhere. And she had bits missing out of her, her chest, and her, her dreads and her hair was standing on end. Yeah, and it looked like spider web had smothered this woman because the mould continued to grow. Um, but that's worth a read. That's dark. I want to read that. It's cute. <laughs> oh, it's from 2016. It was. I only come across it recently, but 2016 it was released. It was, and it's it's quite good. It's not very big. It's only 272 pages. Is it on Audible? I'm just checking for you. Is it on Audible? Don't listen to it while I fall asleep. <laughs> but it's not scary. It, it's sort of. I could imagine us having those conversations, isn't it? No. To be honest, I do listen to two true crime podcasts to fall asleep too. So <laughs> that's nothing. You're just for a me. typical woman, aren't you? <laughs> Um, and the last one, which I've just seen on my shelf. Now, normally, as you know, Annette, I very rarely do biographies. Yes. I do make exceptions. Yeah. Um, I have I have an Elvira one that I still haven't finished it. I still haven't finished it. Oh, I feel terrible. It is very yeah. good, though. Well, is, see, I keep looking at it, and I it, when I start it, I know I'm going to devour it. Just... So I keep waiting until I've got that time. I'm waiting for a holiday or something. She's such a good writer. It's so natural. I, I, I love Cassandra Patterson. I think she's great. Um, anyway, so that one I've got there. So there are there is a rare e- exception. As you know... Oh, boy. Got a little bit of a thing for Kate Mulgrew. Well, Captain Janeway. To <laughs> has she got one, has she? <laughs> she has. And, and I thought... I, I did the audible version with the sole intention <laughs> of thinking this voice will, will just soothe me into a good night's sleep and take me to a happy dreams. Yeah, that, that was, yeah, <laughs> that was the plan. Yeah. Isn't it? <laughs> and I have to say that it didn't fucking work out like that. <laughs> so I was not at all forewarned for this woman's autobiography. Oh God, now, it... she reads it beautifully and it's written beautifully. So that's not what I'm saying. Oh God, it's but I do think that it should have come with a, a trigger warning of some kind to, to prepare you. Really? 
Um, so she was raised by unconventional Irish Catholics. Um, very early on when she was little, she th- she thinks, spoiler alert, um, she, she thinks she's killed her baby brother. She didn't, but as a kid, she thinks that she did. She grows up a bit and then her, her I think it was her 12-year-old sister, might have been a little bit older, but her sister gets a brain tumour. Oh, my God. And then dies. Oh, my God. Um, and then she ends up in, I'm still not quite sure whether or not she acknowledges it as a toxic relationship, but there was a, a quite a crazy toxic relationship that she ended up getting into, um, where she ended up living in Italy with this Italian guy who was a shoemaker. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> she moved in with Geppetto? <laughs> yeah. Um, but then, you know, again, I'm driving, so I brought it for a long road trip, so I'm, I'm driving along and it was to make me help sleep because I never sleep when I'm away yeah. but I was driving along at this one particular bit um on the motorway and all of a sudden she she describes what you think is going to be a mugging oh god yeah now bear in mind she's reading it to you oh yeah so what you think is a, is a, a very scary terrifying she, she's getting robbed um turns into a rape yeah and there was just the, she reads it with such strength, class and dignity that you have to give her credit. It's not particularly graphic. It's it's very basic in its description, but it's very clear yeah. what happened and how it happened. And there was just this little millisecond where her, her voice cracked. Oh, God. It's so tiny. And if I hadn't have had it so loud because I was going so fast, you might have missed it. But you know when you're like, this shit's just like, <laughs> fucking hell, I was totally and utterly unprepared wow. um, for it. But yeah, I, it, now you're thoroughly warned, I would recommend anybody to, to read that. But the trigger warning is there. Yeah, which is not anywhere over the book. It talks about her career. It says, you know, spanning through her career. And at 22, she did this. And, you know, she ended up in Voyager and Oranges and blah, 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 blah. And, and yeah, you just, la, driving along on this particular bit. La, la, la. I'm glad that it wasn't when I was going to bed and trying to sleep because I wouldn't have slept. <laughs> oh. Not that I sleep anyway. It just would have meant that I wouldn't have had the four hours that I normally have. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, it, it was, and she wrote it with, um, the only way that the whole thing is written so well and with such dignity that I didn't expect because you get these people who say that they've done an autobiography and you think, ah, yeah, you know, it was good. I, 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 if you can stomach those trigger warnings, yeah. then yeah, give it a go. Um, it's called Born With Teeth uh, by Kate Mulgrew because apparently she was born with teeth oh. and they all fell out. Oh, no. <laughs> mm. Okay, well, huh, wow. <laughs> So I got carried away there. Did. Far more carried away than I kept looking at the bookshelf. I should have done that before we started the call and then I would have been more <laughs> prepared. It's funny that. My apologies. Oh, it's funny that though, isn't it? Because the non-fiction, you think it's kind of like you read it, you've kept the knowledge and you move on. But there are certain ones that you you always retain. Mm. Like, no, I don't think I'm going to read it again, but I'm not letting that book go. Yeah, it's, I, some of the, I don't know if I would swing back through the folklore myths and customs. Um, unless I was going somewhere specific or looking something up, but it's 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 just such a beautiful little book. It feels good too. I couldn't let it go. And the Lucifer one's got a gorgeous cover. I, you know, there's one that I'm surprised you didn't mention because it was such a moment in time for the pair of us, due to a movie based around the author that came out, and it would be the Scum Manifesto. Do you know but, I looked at it? So yeah, by Bella, I Andrew but, Hall. Yeah, didn't I buy that for you? Yes, and, and my ex stole it. Oh, <gasps> ooh, threw it away. 
But I do, look, look, I, I don't know if you can, can you see it? There you go, look. I do have a copy on the shelf and I looked at it, but I thought, is it non-fiction or is it a political agenda? <laughs> well... <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, I did look at it. Ironically, it was next to Lilith. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, that, that that's another thing that is written clearly by someone who was exceptionally unbalanced and unwell. Yeah. But was so well written. Right, I'm, I'm, I'm going to send you a picture in a second. I'm going to actually show you. Oh, no, you can't see my phone, can you? It. Oh, yes, yes, yes. It's yes. not that cover you had, was it? No. Oh, thank Why? God. <laughs> because I've just tried to find pictures of it on eBay, and that one's selling for just shy of two thousand dollars. No, no, it's not that so, one. I wish. <laughs> no, if that had been the one your ex had stolen. Yeah, I'd be around there. <laughs> You'd be around there. I'd be around there. Oh no, there. <laughs> yeah, I... Come on, girls. I need oh, no, numbers. I've... We'll split. I found it now. So no, yeah, I found it now. It's that purpley background colour one, isn't it? That was it, yes. I can see it flickering on and off. Yeah, yes. that's, so that copy is available. Someone's selling it on SD and I bet it's her for twenty six fifty nine. so that's still, considering what I paid for it, damn it. <laughs> Bloody bitches. Bloody bitches. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so um, yeah, that was a moment in time of our lives we were... I remember seeing that at the Ritzy in Brixton. We went to see the film in the Ritzy in Brixton. It was amazing. Yeah, I think our actress was absolutely brilliant. Oh, um, uh, Lily Taylor. That's the one. She's really, really good. Yeah, most of you all know her from the Conjuring, the first Conjuring movie. I think. I think I bought. I don't know if I got the. Um, no, I got the DVD, which was so hard to find over here because it wasn't given a proper release. No, yeah, you had to get an import in the end, didn't we? Did, yeah, it's like, and try and find a, a multi-regional back then. <laughs> yeah. It cost a bloody fortune. The trick was to, um, the, the trick was to, um, to copy it, um, and then it oh. made it region zero. Oh! Well, no, it was legal because you owned it, so as long as you weren't reselling it or re distributing it. Tricks of the trade back in the early days, uh, late night. Yeah, the early days, when we had, I don't even have a DVD player now. I've I've got multi-regional, but that's with the Blu-rays and stuff, but it's been pinched mm. at the minute. <laughs> Funny that, yeah. Yeah, yeah by, by him next door. <laughs> have you still, have you not got one downstairs either? Everything's streaming now, isn't it? No, well, um, we use Andy's games console. Oh, yeah. See, I don't have any of those now. So, like, we're pretty much... That, I mean, you know how many DVDs we used to have. Insane oh amounts. God. We've got it down to like yeah. one like small bookshelf worth. Yeah. Because pretty much everything we want is online now. Yeah, there's a few culties that aren't. Um, I think I've got a, a box left of DVDs. I've got it down to a box. And it was just the cult ones that you just couldn't bear to, to part with. I know, but what's really annoying now is the amount of companies that are going back and bringing them all out on like Blu-ray special editions. Like, screw you. No one was supposed to be able to find this but me. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, no, it's space though, isn't it? Like you say, it's space. It is, it is. It feels so good to get rid of stuff. A purge, I call it a purge. It's you have true. to have a purge. It feels good. I think we will, we will not be satisfied until we're in like completely empty white. Oh, wait, that's a padded cell. Um... <laughs> <laughs> no, but like completely empty, empty. I have nothing, nothing but this tiny 
piece of paper and I don't even need that. I'm going to eat it. <laughs> <laughs> well, there is there is a book and I can't remember what the title is, but it's to do with something. It's a practice and it's called Swedish Death Cleaning. <laughs> and it's where you're supposed to. It's a minimal. It's a minimalistic lifestyle. So if you haven't used something in six months or it's not seasonal, it's like a winter coat you would keep. Mm. Um, because you wouldn't wear it all year round. You get rid of it. Or is this the Mary Kondo thing? No idea. Can't remember. I know Mary Kondo is like, you know, if you if you haven't worn something in some such a minute, it's like if you no, if you hold a piece of something and you don't have any feeling from it or emotion emotional connection, get rid of it. What if the connection is rage? <laughs> the, the connection is this cost a lot of goddamn money. <laughs> I will get back into this pair of jeans. <laughs> oh, oh, honey, <laughs> have I got those? Um, no, it's it, I've just oh, look, I've just typed in Swedish death jeans. <laughs> Clean. Um, no, it's a proper thing. A sweet here, oh, Swedish death cleaning. Of course, of um, course, the the Swedes will make it death cleaning. <laughs> yes, sweet Swedish death cleaning. How to free yourself from a lifetime of stuff. It sounds like a mum's metal band. <laughs> I can't pronounce the author's name, but it's spelled, surname is spelled G-U-S-T-A-F-S-S-O-N. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of ironic that they're encouraging you to buy something that you won't need long term. <laughs> I love it. No, but it's all to do with things um, like when you die, what happens with your shit? Oh, that's a nightmare. And it's having, um, it's it's a practice that I believe, I could be wrong, but I believe it originates from um, that consideration for those after you as well. Yeah. You know, like they're, they're not going to have to do six van loads of shit to the charity shop. Yeah. I get it. It is, I mean, that is very much the feel of things these days, isn't it? Just make, It's the convenience for everyone afterwards. Mm, I paid for my funeral. What? Oh, is that paid off now? Well, I've got one payment left. Oh, it's all right for some. <laughs> yeah, I've got to top it up though with the cremation fees. But yeah, no, it's all paid for. Sorry, we're going down this lovely route for you people again. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Anyway, yeah, well, there's some really good recommendations there. Some of them, unfortunately, were unpredictably led by the feminist shelf. <laughs> um, but I can, I, I'd happily recommend all of mine. And if Annette's recommended hers, some of hers I have come across that the conspiracy one I did read, and it was it was good. Um, yeah, if Annette recommends it, I'd recommend it too. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that the I think the, I'm I'm starting to go down this old Hollywood route because those women were so fascinating. Yes, they. I mean, they were game changers, and people don't even know the difference they made. No. So I think they do need to be more celebrated, and I, I'm dying to read them. And I want you to read them too, Shell, especially um, yeah. Tallulah Bankhead. I think you would adore reading her. Do you know much about her? Uh, the name rings a bell, but I don't know a great deal about her. I won't spoil it, but look her up, and trust me, she's. you'll want to read about her. <laughs> I, I was just thinking there is there was another a, a couple of books that looked really good uh, that were to do with the original um women ghouls of cinema oh like vampire and yeah mm. and it was is their sort of stuff that looked really good as well but you know i'm i'm you know me i read pretty much anything as long as it's in english yeah <laughs> <laughs> and but if i spoke another language i'd probably read those as well but 
No, um, I think they oh, make. Wouldn't that be a challenge? No, I think they'll they'll they make they'll make some good long journey ones for you as well. Yeah, definitely, definitely. No, I'm up for that. Cool. Okay. okay well, we hope that some people have at least considered one of our books. Or oh, now you can go to a party and if you know if you end up in a feminist conversation, you can tell me and go, oh yeah, the Scum Manifesto by Valerie Slons. Um, or if you happen to, to be on a diving holiday, you can start talking about <laughs> the migration of the blue shark. <laughs> yeah, the, you know, or, or if any of your friends are misbehaving, you need to tell them to be careful because they, they might end up like Nelly <laughs> in a madhouse. So we've given you, if you listen to us, we've given you plenty of conversation points just by listening to us rattle on, really. <laughs> Don't. And I've enjoyed myself. Nelly. I started the call depressed, I'll confess. But I, I, I always feel better. Don't you make me go nearly on your ass. <laughs> That's awesome, isn't it? I've just started us a trend. There was you with your fart punch when we did the chaotic tea party. So don't make me go nearly on you and use a fart punch. <laughs> don't make me go nearly on you. Oh, I love it. I want that on a t-shirt. <laughs> Christmas, babe. We'll get some design for Christmas. Yeah. Um, but thank you, everyone. We will see you next time. Um, we are reviewing. I won't bore you with the synopsis because we have rolled on quite a bit this time. Yeah. But we will be reviewing the couple at number nine um, in the next episode. Yes. And I'm just frantically looking for the author. La, la, la. So the couple at number nine, um, which is uh, by Claire Douglas. So the couple at number nine by Claire Douglas. Lovely. Lovely jubbly. Lovely jubbly. Um, love, love you all. Happy thoughts, everyone. Yes. <laughs> Stay away from sharks. Don't go crazy. And um, wim- woman power. power. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Okay, then. Thanks, everyone. We will see you next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of Two Crones in a Book. If you want to follow the show on social media for extra content, you can find us on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube and Facebook at Two Crones in a Book. And on Twitter, we are at Two Crones Pod. Or if you'd like to cut in contact with the show, you can email us at twocronespodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, guys, and have a great day.